welcome to Dear Spares Podcast. We are in week eight of our Unveiled Life series. Next week is the final week, believe it or not, which is sad, but also um, good. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. We'll go back to our normal every other week uh, podcast schedule afterwards, but really wanted to kind of uh, not rush, but um, bring together a little bit more of the book and surrounding its release and stuff and having these nine weeks back to back. Um, so this week we are talking about uh, chapter eight. It's called All Have What He's Having. So this is really talking about relationships and identity and kind of going into that. So don't know how many of you guys grew up in the 90s or, um, you know, were coherent human beings in the 90s, or maybe just have an affinity for 90s movies. Uh, but there is a movie, Runaway Bride, with Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts kind of dominated the movies in the 90s. She's awesome. Um, but one of one of my favorite movies of hers was Runaway Bride. Um, there's a very distinct scene in the movie that you might not catch, or you might not even remember. But long story short, so Julia Roberts plays this young woman who is the runaway bride, and so she has been engaged and gotten up to the altar so many times, but she always runs away. She runs from the altar, and each guy is very different. She doesn't really have, like, a type. She she dates all these very different guys, but each time she runs away, and so this super sleuth um, guy played by Richard Gere comes, and he is kind of like, all right, so what's this woman's deal? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some investigative work and see what her problem is um, and kind of get more information on her and what he finds. And one of the interesting things, and I love when, um, no pun intended, but when there's like these little Easter egg things that you would find like, oh, hey, look at that in a movie. And in this one, um, so Richard Gere asked each guy she was engaged to how, how she took her eggs. And each person says it in a different way. And so um, each guy, like, oh, she takes some poached, she takes some scrambled, but it's how he liked it. So really, and if you look at each, you know, flashback scene, she has assumed the identity of the person that she was with. She is really looking for her own identity, and she is trying to find, you know, it's like she, she dates a motorcycle guy, so she becomes, like, this rough-and-tough motorcycle person. She gets this tattoo and everything. And it was more when tattoos are more taboo. And then she dates this other guy, and she she takes on his personality. And I think there's a lot of that um, within identity that we can lose ourselves in our the identity. We can take on the identity of the person we're with. And so this week we're really talking about what that looks like and how not to fall into that, but then also the idea of oneness and, and marriage and what that looks like. So... Um, I've quoted this band so many times in this book, in the, in the previous book too, but there's just, there's something in my heart for the band Reliant K. Um, it wasn't just growing up and loving them, but really I think there is such a wisdom and a truth that can come forth through music. And I think, um, it's not so much of a specific band, um, in that culture or anything, but really it's, it's a truth that is identified, um, and resonates in discernment within us that we connect with certain artists because the emotions that they convey out and the things that they say, um, either resonate something that we have also ascribed to that we also feel, or, they resonate a truth in which that we have seen and understood and comprehended and that we want to 
just kind of have that catharsis. And so um, my favorite album of theirs is Forget and Not Slow Down. And on the song, one of their songs on there is Over It, and it shares the lyric, I'll admit to who I am, the day I come to understand. I haven't got a clue, been searching for a few years now. Well, if I don't repeat myself, then I'll change into someone else. Well, I don't quite know who, have been searching for a few years now. And, and what that's really saying is it's easy to fall into um, kind of this assumed idea, you know, identity. Um, Julia Roberts' character did this. And depending on the relationship she was in, she'd take on that identity. And marriage in itself is about becoming one, but it's not about losing your own personal identity. It's really about becoming a team of two individuals, creating a new identity together with God. Two people, two full people coming together as one with God and unity for a new identity. Not him taking on your identity, not you taking on his, but you two together forming a new identity. And this was one of the harder chapters I had writing the book because when, you know, of course the Holy Spirit was inspiring me with things, but I was really having um, a point where up until this point I had come and I had really understood what it meant to have my own personal identity. But when it came into, you know, I, I could not avoid um, the concept of talking about identity and marriage. And I myself am not married. And so in writing this, I, I took it to the Lord and I said, Lord, I don't know. I don't know how to write this. You're going to have to teach me. And God is so good when you ask him for help on something that you are um, really trying to search for a truth. And he always provides it. And at the time I was, I went to a wedding and one of the wedding sermon itself, um, at this wedding was actually talking about identity. And I was like, of course it is. That's great. Um, cause all of God's time. Right. And, and the pastor was speaking about how it's not, you know, it's about this team coming together to create this new one identity. It's not one taking on the other's, um, identity and, there's just being this kind of like parasite thing going on or a cloning. Rather, it's two full people coming together with God to create this new identity together as a team and couple. And that's really what the, the oneness in God is going at. And, you know, and that's a beautiful thing because if you don't have that, there's a lot of ills that could come. There's an aspect of codependency, which a person really loses their identity and is sucked into this dependency on someone else's identity to make up for it. And no matter the size of the ego, no one has the identity or ego large enough to support more than one person. That's not how God designed us to be. And it even got me to thinking, I, um, I've only ever really dated one person. Um, and, and that's a story for another day and it's personal. So no one, really needs to know about that but um but we had this very emotional relationship there was no physical in the relationship but there was a very emotional tie in it and I so we had decided not to not to continue to pursue because the Lord had, had given me an answer of no on that and I had seen him after a very long time um and we were going to meet for coffee. I don't remember the circumstances surrounding it. It was just kind of more friends meeting for coffee. And he went to go, He the coffees were at the counter at Starbucks, and he was like, oh, hey, I, I remember you took like five Splendas in your coffee, right? Here you go. And he handed that to me. And it was interesting um, because in that span of time since I had seen him, and it had been about a year, um, 
I had really changed. And I know this is coffee, but I have a point to it. It's kind of like the eggs thing. And he had always taken his coffee completely black. And I tried and tried as I might. I couldn't do it. So the closest thing I could get was I'll put a few Splendas in because then I'm not cheating with the cream. But in that time that I had grown apart and I had kind of walked more into myself, I had really learned how I do take my coffee and I take one cream, two Splenda, you know, and, and how I wanted it to be different. Um, but really what was shown to me in that was the image and the memory he had of me was this former self of me. And I had grown into being this different person and walked more into my new identity. And I no longer was dependent on becoming, um, more like him, you know, and, and that was a blessing to kind of have that realization with all things, you know, with coffee of all things. Um, but realizing that God had at that time had, had grown me into being more of my own person. And, and that itself was four years ago. So it's, it's interesting to even reminisce now and look at that and how much God has, um, taken this time and refinement on, on my own identity. And I, and I encourage you that either if you're in a relationship or you want to be, or, um, you are married, that your own self-reflection identity can be found and achieved and acquired and revealed to you no matter where you are. But if you are single, you do have that opportunity for a little bit more one-on-one time with God. There's not that kind of barrier of, uh, not barrier, I think that's poor choice of words. There's not another person to be concerned with at the time. Um, It is just you and God, and you and God are the team into walking into your identity. And so you have kind of that opportunity if you are in a relationship, it's not too late to find your own identity. And I actually think that it's a beautiful thing when two people at the same time can kind of come into this um, identity search and and have those things revealed to them and then together come and say, okay, this is you, this is me, what is us? Um, what does it look like to be unified in the Lord? And what does our identity as a couple and as one flesh look like? Um, what, do, what do we both bring to the table in that context. And, and in life, we were all continuously ever growing and changing. So once the correct truth is recognized, you're only going to grow stronger and better from there. So once that vital foundation is at last discovered, then it blossoms and blooms to come forth from those roots. You're just starting at the roots and you're becoming more and more and more into who you're supposed to be. And, and the flowers can vary and grow and change, but the root is always going to remain the same. And it's just finding that correct and perfect spot to grow such a garden that takes the most work. Um, And this is why when those two gardens become one, even more fruit can come forth because it's a mixture of all of those nutrients, the beauties, and realizing that both gardens were in fact originally designed to be one large garden, guaranteeing a coming harvest. And those those gardens intersect and grow and they're vibrant fruit and they can endure storms better together because the roots are intertwined below the surface. And those foundational roots of identity work together to support one another in times of storm holding the other one firm without choking them out. That is what two becoming one really means. It means embracing, accepting, and celebrating differences and coming together as one to create a whole that is just beyond compare. And it's such a cool thought of two identities intertwining and and working to become that one. And and even though it is easy to assume someone else's identity in a relationship, the concept of becoming one in itself is, is the purpose of marriage. So really looking at that teamwork, what does that look like? How 
what are your goals as what identity do you want as a married couple? You know, and and I think um, I have to say I am a person who likes to observe. And so I like watching people, um, watching their habits, watching how they navigate life and how they do life and how that grows and changes. And I've almost always um, noticed that a close friend of mine, when they found the one, if you will, that they somehow, and it's so remarkably beautiful, but they become the best version of themselves. And I say that and that they, they're still themselves, but it's like they're like on this like hyper vibrant color. It's like somehow the dial of them is just turned up and they're the best version that they've ever been. Even if the rest of their life doesn't surround to look like that, they're the best version. And it's more vivid. Um, and that's when identity as a couple can come forward as well. It's not the end of two separates and whole identities, whether it's the union being given and rooted to Christ of this new creation. It's not the end of something else. It's the beginning of something beautiful and new and vibrant. And those beginning two roots are going to just keep feeding into this new oneness and to come together. And so you kind of get to say, okay, well, you know, what, what are we, are we the couple that goes and ventures off in the woods or are we the ministry couple or what kind of team are we? Because ultimately your spouse should be your best teammate. And that's, that's what we should pray for in spouses that or couple me with my best teammate, the one who's going to be my compliment in every way. And um, what a beautiful thing in that, you know, and, um, I've been to enough weddings now that there's been these like, uh, unity ceremonies. And a lot of times they'll do this with like sand or a candle or some sort of wine, but the bride and groom come together and they do this unity thing together. And, and really it's those two identities, you know, working together to create this new profound whole thing. And it's not that those two things weren't whole on their own, but coming together, it's, it's even greater whole and it's for the greater good. And so this chapter is really talking about that, what that means, what that looks like, what's the new identity of, of coming together as a couple, but also acknowledging, um, seeking and, and holding a firm foundation on who am I separate from other humans? Who am I in God? And then who am I as somebody who wants or is in a relationship? And that's a question you got to take to God and ask yourself, but it's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to confidently walk as yourself into a relationship and know with no shadow of doubt, this is who I am. And I'm so excited to continue to become this person and come to know this other person even better. Um, I think that's a beautiful hope to have if you don't have that as well. So the last part of this chapter is called see me. And, um, uh, as individuals in relationship, learning about love languages is important. So how love is given and how love is received is a it's part of communication. And it's one of the fundamental bricks of relationship. And so Gary Chapman wrote this great book, The Five Languages of Love. And it's a great read if you haven't read it or there's a little quiz to it. Highly recommend it. But it helps you understand who you are. And so I, even in friendship, I try and do this. Um, I try to get to know what are my friends' love languages? How do they receive love and how do they give love? Because for receiving love, if it's a birthday, maybe a gift is, you know, the best thing, a really thoughtful gift. Or maybe it's quality time and taking them out to lunch and spending that time. Or maybe it's a very wonderful, handwritten, beautiful note to be given to them. Um, but that really, you know, that comes into identity and, and love 
how can you best love another person, whether it's a friend, whether it's a romantic partner, whether it's parents. Um, and then for yourself, how do you receive love best? How, how do you feel most loved? What, what does the Lord lavish upon you makes you feel most loved or what has someone else done that makes you feel most loved? And that's kind of a, a great thing to look at, um, as well. And, um, and that plays into identity roles because it helps us know how to love the other person for who they truly are. And one of my all-time favorite movies and stories and everything is Cinderella. And um, if you follow me at all on social media, you might see there's like this little Cinderella theme that honestly, I'm going to be honest, I don't even fully comprehend <laughs> what the deal is. But God seems to have this like really cute... Um, and really wonderful and really mysterious Cinderella theme going on in my life. But I digress. That's another story for another day. But in, in the movie, one of the best lines of the entire live action film is this interaction between Cinderella and Prince Kit when he comes to see if the shoe is indeed going to fit her. And she just, she comes before him, before, before he even tries to shoe on her, before anything. I mean, he knows it's her. I mean, obviously. But, you know, he's got to test it. But he comes up to him and she says, I am Cinderella, your majesty. I'm no princess. I have no carriage or no parents. I have no dowry. I don't even know if that beautiful glass slipper is going to fit. But if it does, will you take me as I am? A good, honest country girl who loves you. And goodness gracious, the love in this. Of truly accepting and loving somebody for who they are in deepest and truest form. And I know that movie is a fairy tale. I know that movie is something that I think a lot of people say, oh, well, yeah, there's a Cinderella story, but I won't get that. But doesn't God like to write things more beautiful than fairy tales? And that aren't fairy tales in themselves something that of uh, human idealism that we so greatly aspire to have and see as a reality, not as a fallacy, not as something that is unattainable, but just, and not even as something that we would, in rational minds, escape into for fantasy, but we want to see that as truth. We want to see our own Cinderella stories happen in real life. And I think a lot of that comes down to the root of these stories. You don't have to have a fairy godmother in magic shoes to have a fairy tale. But the true root of this story isn't magic shoes. And it isn't magic wands and pumpkins. The true root of the story is two people coming together despite their positions in life of the jobs or status of which they were born into. And they come together in true, authentic, and intentional love. And she comes before him and she says, I, I don't have anything except for love. And so if you accept me today, you accept me for who I really am. And I will accept you for who you really are. Because not for a single minute did she really see him as this prince of a kingdom. She saw him as Kit, the, the boy she met in the forest. And that's who she saw him as in his true heart. And nobody else really saw him as that. Everyone else handled him with these, you know, special gloves of, oh, well, you're rich and powerful, you know, you're, you're a celebrity, whatever. But that's not how she saw him. I mean, she acknowledged that that was a aspect of his life but she didn't see him as that she accepted him for his love in his heart and he was an apprentice just doing the best he could in his life with the things he had been handed and for his heart and for what she knew he could truly be and that's why she wanted to stand alongside him 
And I think that's the deepest part of fairy tales, is we should really boil it down to what is the most innate, boiled down thing of a fairy tale that we truly aspire to have. And I think in my own hopes of a Cinderella story, that's what I desire to have. An authentic and true and sincere relationship built upon the desire to know another's heart, the desire to come into a relationship based on love and not status and not jobs or positions or money or anything, but what the Lord would call and just seeing that true inner raw heart. And so I think I think that's just beautiful in, in that movie, and I could ramble on for hours and hours about it, but I think that's really what it comes in, you know, loving somebody through the baggage and the wreckage and loving somebody through the mood swings and the mess and loving someone at their heart and bringing that heart to the table and that loyalty and marrying the one who will love you for who you truly are because that's the truest fairy tale in itself. And that's how you know that the shoe actually fits. That's corny, I know, but that's my heart. So take that and, and pray about it. Pray into who God's making you to be and what that might look like for you and God. Um, hope you all have a blessed week. I encourage you to look into um, the blog and continue giving me feedback. I love when I get the feedback from people, so thank you for that. Um, Lord, thank you for today. Lord, I pray for all of those who are secretly desiring their own fairy tale. Lord, I pray that they will find what you have for them. In your name we pray. Amen.